0: Hi there, welcome to the show, thanks for listening. It's Wednesday, September the 22nd. It's a glorious day here in TW11. An even better day to be heading down to Goodwood for some early autumn racing this afternoon, which is what I'll be doing for Racing TV. Lots of news since I was last with you. Key piece of news is that Tanawa will be ridden by Christophe Sumio in the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe as anticipated by Jane Manger yesterday on the show. News from Bally Doyle yesterday, Santa Barbara will not be going to the Breeders' Cup, her place will be taken by Mother Earth, Santa Barbara is injured, Mother Earth has been rerouted from an intended target in Australia, and news of St Mark's Basilica was sore apparently according to Aidan O'Brien after the Irish champion stakes at Leopardstown, no decision as yet made on his immediate future, though we are anticipating it will either be retirement or one last hurrah, probably the former. We'll be looking ahead to the feature races this weekend, the Group 1 Cheveley Park and Middle Park Stakes at Newmarket. You'll be finding out later in this edition why Hugo Palmer thinks it most unlikely that Ebro River will take his chance in the Judmont Middle Park Stakes. Ger Lyons has a great chance in both races with Dr Zempf and Sacred Bridge. In other news, the huge gaming giant DraftKings has made a $20 billion bid for the parent company of Ladbrook's Coral and Tain. We'll be hearing about the significance of that from market commentator David Buick later in the programme. And in a few moments' time, you'll be hearing from Joe Chambers, racing manager to Rich Ritchie, who is without two of his stars this season. Willie Mullins, his trainer, has been dealt a significant double blow here as David Yates from the Daily Mirror joins me. Dave, what's happened?
1: Right, well, Min has been retired, but the real headline news, of course, is the fact that Monkfish is out for the season. It just, it's just another reminder, even before the, the jump season has, has really got into second gear, about um, the tightrope that that these horses walk. This horse was the one who had a an aura of invincibility about him over hurdles and then over fences. I think that many people were underwhelmed by the victory at Cheltenham in the... Brown advisory novices chase. Then, of course, Monkfish was beaten by stablemate mate Cole Revy at uh, Punchestown. But Willie Mullins reported late last evening, or certainly in the middle of last evening, that Monkfish had had a tendon injury and that this would keep the horse off games for the whole of th- this season. So that's really disappointing news. It was certainly he was, a, I think, almost the poster boy of the Three mile chasing division for in in his second season, i.e., this campaign. So it's really disappointing news that we won't see him. Hopefully, that the 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 statement that Willie Mullins put out was was pretty brief. I counted fourteen words, but it mentioned a a tendon injury. Beyond that, we don't really know. But let's hope that he comes back as good as ever. He's seven now. So this time next year, even I can work out that he will be eight. And so that still should be enough time for him to fulfil his potential,
0: hopefully. Well, the good news is I've been speaking to Joe Chambers, who's racing manager to Rich Ritchie. And uh, the first question I asked him was exactly how serious uh, Monkfish's injury was.
2: He's done a leg, Nick. Um, it's it's not career-threatening, but as with all these things, um, discretion is the better part of Valor, so unfortunately, he's um, the right thing to do is to shut him down for the season, and and that's what we've done.
0: And people say, oh, it's like being a little bit pregnant. It, it's not quite, is it? Because actually, there are gradations of tendon injury. There are some that are yeah, career-ending.
2: There is, and I think a, a good example of that is a, another horse of ours called Getterbird, who Uh, you know, he did a 50% tear. And unfortunately, it looks as though he won't make it back to the track. Um, But Monkfish is nowhere near in that realm.
0: Okay, so he he wouldn't be as serious as that. So he could come back the season after next. Is there any crumb of comfort you can take in this or not?
2: Uh, He's seven, rising eight. So you would hope that, um, you know, there's still a couple, at least two or three good years ahead of him. And I guess the biggest crumb of comfort is that well, we've had loads of success in our, in our uh, ownership time with Willie. We've also um, had plenty of disappointments with injuries, but Willie is pretty good at getting them back. So I think um, the powers of recovery uh, are something that we certainly would hold on to. And, um, you know, it's not as if we haven't been here before.
0: How difficult the decision was it to retire Min?
2: Um, it, it, it's sad because he was a hell of a racehorse for us. Um, much maligned by some people. He bumped into Altier, but I think when it became obvious that the road to recovery was going to be very long for him and not the right thing for the horse. It was a pretty easy one in the end to retire him.
0: And have you got a lot to, to look forward to in terms of, of young horses this season?
2: We've got plenty that haven't raced for us somewhere in the region. I, I think it's about 10 or 11 at latest count. Um, we're not as deep at the open-chasing end, uh, open end of the spectrum. Um, you know, We've also retired Faheen and Benny and... Uh, Duvan and um, you know Salsaretta is in full to uh, Blue Brazil, the sire of Royal Pagai. So you know we really have Borough Saint and Royal Pagai, I guess, as open chasers. Um, but you know it's uh, we're we're thin at the we're thin at that end of the spectrum, but uh, an awful lot fatter and an awful lot of dreams still alive at the at the novice end.
0: Uh, and which ones are having unre- unreasonable expectations piled on them in your dreams at the moment?
2: I don't know. We're normally good for the odd Supreme favourite because someone saw it come from <laughs> France. Um, but, um, you know, I think Min himself was favourite for three Supremes and still didn't win one. Um, but hopefully, um, we've got a lot of three-year-olds and four-year-olds a, and, and a couple of five-year-olds that have been run, including a horse called Food of Brazil, who I quite like. Um, he seems to be going quite well. Uh, a nice horse we bought in the flat, whether he runs this season or not, I don't know, called Vauban by Galloway. Um, and another no risk at all a, ni- a nice filly called uh, Allegory de Vassy. so um, you know um, amongst others a few that we bought last year for this year and I'm sure with the autumn campaign in the point-to-point point field and um, and in France uh, picking up again now we'll have um, plenty more opportunity to reload as well we've also gone gone back to the point-to-point point field a nice horse called um, Paul Marvel by Mass Marvel that uh, Patrick seems quite keen on um, seems to be quite an athletic looking horse
0: now you've got three runners in this afternoon's one hundred and fifty thousand euro Kerry National at Listowel. You've also got the second reserve in the race. Who's who's got the best chance?
2: Um, well, uh, probably I would say Paul Townend thinks Anna Mix. I'd say Brahma Bull, and uh, it's kind of irrelevant what chance Carl
0: de Grosser has unless he gets into the race. So you've got three in the race. Um, clearly your your reserve looks to have the most obvious chance. Why would you Why would you not just pull two out and let him in? Well, I think um, the the rules and reserves have changed quite a bit
2: in previous years and um, probably not something I, I wish to go into in too much detail, but there's plenty of other owners and multiple runners as well, Nick
0: there are jp mcmanus has got seven runners in the race and the the trainer of the first reserve has gone quite vocal asking asking jp if he might pull one of his out to to let him and the romantic very story in 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 at the bottom
2: yeah probably You're... not the tactic i'd have adopted but you know each to their own
0: yeah going public with it probably wasn't the right way forward quiet phone call might have had a slightly better chance of working
2: Yes, uh, perhaps. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what shapes out. I think uh, the reserve cutoff is at 11 a.m., so we've got an hour to go to see what shakes out today as we, as we speak at the
0: moment. Has JP told you which of his seven he fancies?
2: I, 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 I wouldn't even dare ask the question, Nick, and I doubt he'd volunteer it.
0: Joe Chambers, their racing manager to Rich Richie. A couple of points to note out of that. Dave Yates, uh, first of all, uh, as you suggested, uh, Monkfish's injury serious but not so serious that it'll end his career he'll be back season after and the point that Joe Chambers made Willie Mullins is exceptional at getting a horse back to peak and possibly beyond initial peak after a break so um, to, to that end they've every reason to be reasonably confident wasn't a difficult decision to retire Min that injury picked up sounded reasonably serious he can't be ridden for a year and lots of young horses to look forward to 11 or 12 young horses as yet unraced for the Richies,
1: yeah, that, that's that's good news. I mean, the, the the problem, I suppose, with Monkfish is that even if you return the horse, even if the horse returns as you know as good as ever, and we know that Monkfish was imperious at his best, that there's a there's a new draft coming along, isn't there? And I think that that, that as much as anything might be the difficulty. But yeah, it's it's really disappointing news. You know, we, we, this time of the year, when the nights start drawing in, we look forward to. The coming months watching jump racing and obviously Monkfish was one of those horses that we were so much uh, looking forward to seeing and so the fact that he's out is a is a real blow to the campaign even before it's really got
0: underway um, I was teasing Joe about the Kerry National it's a big big race 150,000 euros at Listowel today JP McMahon are seven-handed Rich Ritchie three-handed and was teasing Joe about taking two out to get their second reserve in and he made reference to John Ryan, the small trainer of Ferry Hill Run, sort of the fairy tale winner, if you like. The small connections can't get a run. And he was quite upset, John Ryan, that JP still had seven in and maybe he'd take one out. We've been here before, haven't we?
1: Well, yeah, we have. It's, I mean, it's one, of the, it's one of the features, I think, of Irish racing that, that I, I find most unappealing, uh, and that is when you have such a, a huge number of runners from one concern whether it be JP McManus or whether it be Jiggins Town and, and let's face it those are the two uh owners who who routinely field uh m- big numbers in races like this and yeah it, it's it's very disappointing that small yards don't get a look in obviously there are there are no rules that have been broken we know that and no one is suggesting that that's the case but it's it takes a lot of the the appeal and I don't like to use the word romance, but that, that's the most obvious word to use. And it, it, it lessens the appeal when we have masses of runners from huge concerns and, and the, 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 the trainers who would provide the real story, if you look at it from a journalistic point of view, just don't get a chance.
0: A transition now to this weekend and the big races at Newmarket, which are the Cambridgeshire, the big handicap and the two group ones for two-year-olds, the Cheveley Park Stakes and the Middle Park Stakes. The Middle Park Stakes, key runner in this race or key potential participant is Ebro River, already a group one winner and likely pace to this race. But I've been talking to Hugo Palmer, who has um, cast significant doubt on the horse's participation.
3: No, I'm afraid he's not. The ground's drying out all the time, um, and he said he hasn't ruled out having to put a bit of water on on Friday night just to stop it getting too firm. So um, I think if we had other options, if we didn't have other options, we, we we might take it take the chance. But with with entries that he's got in the in the Jean-Luc Lagardère and in the Dewhurst, um, I just don't think it's sensible to to take a risk with him at this stage of the season.
0: Is it is it simply the ground, or is it the ground on an undulating track?
3: is very much the ground on the undulation track I and mean, he ran an enormous race in the Coventry on very fast ground but Newmarket as you know undulates and rocks and rolls and you know up and down into the dip at the bushes and everything and, and it, it's you know very, very if you're, you're going to find the ground too fast the rolling mile at Newmarket is the place that you will
0: you have to go seven if you go to the Jean-Luc Lagarde round a bend. On what you saw last time in Ireland uh, behind Native Trail, do you think seven furlongs are still within his compass?
3: Well, I think the seven furlongs at the Curragh is one of the stiffest seven furlongs in the world, probably the stiffest seven furlongs in, in the world, um, or certainly that you could run a group one over. Um, and he stayed, he was just outstayed by two better horses at the distance. Um, I feel he'd be comfortable winning Group 3s at that level. Um, but he just, he, he just, he was just out of I think, you know, as you know, Paris, it's round two or three bends, it's, um, it's down a hill, um, it's a very, very different, uh, differently um, configured track. Um, and yes, I think, I think it could suit him very well.
0: And of course, his sire, Galileo Gold, was, was third in the race all those years ago.
3: He was, absolutely. Um, ironically, on ground that was too firm for him.
0: <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing another one of your two-year-olds out, Dubawi Legend, because you made no secret of your regard for this horse before he was a beaten favourite in the Acom Stakes. Now, you said he wasn't quite right after that. Are you getting him right again? And if so, what's the target?
3: Well, look, we're just taking it one step at a time. Um, but it um, he seems right at the moment. Um, he's going to work on Friday morning. Um, I'm in a very lucky position to have these two horses... Um, and, they've, there's, and there's two Group 1s group to run them each in. Um, hopefully, I'll be able to make the right decision and run them in the right, right races.
0: If you didn't have Ebro River and Ebro River hadn't already won a Group 1, would you be as confident to run Dubawi Legend in a Group 1? Does that make sense? Because you, you've got something to contextualise Dubawi Legend's ability.
3: Um, I, they've never, ever worked together. Um, they canter together every day. Um, they, it, it, no, I, I think I think I'm just fortunate to have them both at the same time.
0: And they're two um, b- two very small horses.
3: Yes, I'm sure Dubai Legend can get a mile, whereas I'm sure um, Ebro River can win over seven, but I'm sure he won't ever get a mile.
0: And are you looking forward to anything particularly at the, at the weekend at Newmarket?
3: I'm looking forward to running Dubai Legend's sister, Golden Pass, in the Princess Royal um she ran a, a very good race to be second in the park hill having won the aphrodite on the july course earlier in the summer um she's she's a lovely filly and she's in great shape and and she will love the fast ground so um it's not all bad
0: right trainer hugo palmer there looks like ebro river won't run uh, in the middle park because he feels the ground won't be too quick in itself it's just the fact that he doesn't want to run the horse on quick ground on an undulating track and might wait for the jean-luc lagarder i thought even more interesting, Dave, were Hugo's comments about Dubawi Legend, who everyone's forgotten about since he was a beaten favourite in the Aikham Stakes. Trainer clearly retains significant belief that this is a Group 1 horse.
1: Yeah, well, Dubawi Legend was really impressive at Doncaster first time. And those of us who put our faith in him at York were left disappointed. It's, it's good that there was an excuse for that run because it was pretty lackluster. Uh he was beaten a fair way in thirds and yeah, it's 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 good that something's come to light. Hopefully uh, he can fulfill fulfill his potential.
0: But what the middle part does have, Dave, is an intriguing bit of byplay surrounding two jockeys that were in the news yesterday because as anticipated on this podcast by by Jane Mangan, um Christophe Sumiar is the man chosen to ride Tanawa in the Arc de Triomphe over Colin Keane. And they will be riding the first and second favourites in the middle part, Perfect Power and Dr. Zempf, respectively. Keane will also be on Chively Park Stakes' favourite, Sacred Bridge. And both of his rides will be for, for Jer Lyons. Um, Shall we talk about the Tanawa decision first?
1: Yes, let's. It's I, I think that this would have been a very straightforward decision but for the Breeders' Cup with Tanawa because, as Dermot Weld said yesterday, Christophe Soumion is the Aga Khan's retained jockey in France. That's it, pure and simple. And I think that the lines were pretty clear. Colin Keane would ride the horse in Ireland. Soumion would ride the horse in France. But I think the lines became slightly blurred in many people's minds by what happened at the Breeders' Cup. Remember that a... It was a COVID-19 issue, wasn't it, that, that prevented Christophe Sumion from taking the ride that day at Keeneland. And so Colin Keane stepped in, Tanawa was victorious. And so there was there was a slight blurring where, well, Colin Keane has ridden the horse outside Ireland and Sean and Tanawa won. And so I, I, I suspect that it was probably always going to be the case. It's, I mean, I, I spoke to Dermot Weld on Sunday and he basically was reluctant to say anything because it, 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 it seemed to me that it was almost the it was a question of diplomacy, of making sure that everybody knew what was going on and then uh, he would say something. But so in that respect, I don't think it's a massive Surprise. Sumio is, is the Aga Khan's jockey in France. He's a 10-time champion jockey in France. He's won the Ark on Zarkava and Dalakani for the Aga Khan. So I don't think it's a massive shock that he's going to ride Tanawa. But it certainly adds some spice to the middle part, doesn't it? If uh, If Colin Keane gets up on Dr. Zemp to deny perfect power in the last 50 yards, you might expect a, a few... Words heading in the direction from the, the winner to the runner-up. It, it certainly adds some interest to that race. And as you say, Sacred Bridge is there as well in uh, the Chewley Park for uh, Colin Keane and Jerr Lyons. And it, it just underlines, as I've said before on the NLD, that after last year uh, with the two classic victories, I think many of us thought that Jerr Lyons would find that a difficult campaign to follow. Uh, Siskin, and even so, of course, the two horses involved. But he's doing a really good job of uh, building on that from last year. I say building on that. He's, he's obviously a, a, a trainer who's had significant success in the past, but that was his landmark, his, his landmark season, and this campaign is certainly finishing in a in a in a way that's just as good.
0: All right, news out of Ballydoyle yesterday. We didn't get any news as regards St. Mark's Basilica of note. I mean, we're. We're all sort of working on the basis that at some point his retirement is going to be announced because he's clearly going to go to stud next year unless a massive rabbit is pulled out of the hat. But Aidan O'Brien's holding on that for the moment. No decisions made. Maybe there'll be another target. But he sore after the Irish champion stakes. So what are we going to expect? Sad news Santa Barbara has incurred a significant injury she really looks to be getting the hang of things and that means with her not going to the Breeders' Cup Mother Earth has been rerouted from a potential target in Australia to now go to the United States uh, to take in the Breeders' Cup filly and mare turf race so what do you make out of that little lot?
1: Right well it, it's a shame about Santa Barbara she was a horse who obviously came with a uh, in, in the spring with a huge uh, reputation which in in Britain at least was never realized mother earth was the horse of course who was well i say unheralded relatively unheralded compared to santa barbara in the Guineas, and she came out on top who will ever forget frankie de Torres shouting uh, that afternoon the uh, as regards st mark's basilica yeah i mean with it's 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 notable that Aidan O'Brien, in, in the aftermath of the Irish Champion States, has been reluctant to commit to a target. You know, w- w- we deal with trainers day in, day out. And even if one of them doesn't, even if one is reluctant to say, we are going for the Group 1 Nick Luck celebration stakes, they will say, well, we've got a, a, a number of races in mind. Uh, there's... You know this, that, the other, and we'll decide later on. It, it's notable, I think, that with St Mark's Basilica, even you know the, the the obvious suspects haven't been mentioned by Aidan O'Brien. I do wonder if that will mean that uh, St Mark's Basilica has, has possibly want, run his last race, even at a very early stage. um Aidan was talking about this horse as as a, a, a stallion prospect for the future. I remember you know when when we were doing our post race uh, analysis after the the uh, the coral Eclipse at, at Sandown in July, you know, he was talking about the the future of, of this horse as a stallion as much as he was on on uh, the, the the horse's career on a race course. Um, he's been the standout three-year-old colt for Ballydoyle this year and that's probably not saying an awful lot because Bolshoi Ballet apart that they haven't been I don't think an outstanding bunch but obviously we don't have Galileo around anymore they will be anxious that St Mark's Basilica can make an impression at stud as soon as possible and uh, so yeah I I wonder if we'll see him on a race course again now.
0: Right more from Dave in a few moments time first of all though it's off to Hong Kong and J.A. McGrath.
4: Nick, we spend a lot of time in this segment singing the praises of Joe Moreira, Zack Purton, Karis Teton and other big names, but this week it's time to recognise one of the relatively new faces who is rapidly making his way up the list. I refer to Jerry Chow Chun-Lok, or as followers of Hong Kong Form would say, C.H. Chow claiming five. You could probably argue that Jerry Chow was always destined to make his mark. He was 15 when he first attended the Hong Kong Jockey Club's apprentice school and four years later he found himself on a foreign placement when sent to the stables of top Adelaide trainer Leon McDonald and his training partner Andrew Lewis. Jerry was a fast learner. Encouraged by Macdonald, who he described as a very good teacher, he ended up riding 77 winners on his educational stint in South Australia. Returning with experience so valuable, he landed a double on his first day riding on his home track, Sha Tin. And he's continued to make improvement with every passing meeting. Oh yes, there was something else written in the stars. When Jerry returned to Hong Kong for his master the jockey club found Douglas White, the former 13-times champion and the most successful jockey in Hong Kong's 50-year racing history. They've gelled to such a potent extent that White and Chow are always to be feared in any race. They're good together, and the mutual respect continues to grow. When Jerry graduates, you can bet his old boss will be putting him on horses with good chances, even without the claim. With that in mind, looking ahead to today's eight race card at Happy Valley, I suggest you take a glance at race five and invest in the Chow White combination with number six, Noble Desire, who's gone up six pound for a course and distance win in June. That will not stop the five-year-old's progress up the class ladder. Take him in multiples, including the popular tote swinger with number three, Aurora Pegasus, he's set to run a big race, and four, Management Supreme. One other I'm eager to highlight today comes in race seven, number 11, Meaningful Star. This Irish import won two races for Fozzie Stack in his native land. But perhaps more significantly, he finished second to Sonny Boy Liston in a handicap at Goran Park last year. Sonny Boy Liston was just starting his climb, but the Ebor Irish St. Ledger winner gives an air of respectability to that Goran form. Meaningful star can break through for his first Hong Kong win at the eighth attempt. Take him with Moreira's mount, number eight, Super Bella. Well, that's all from the Hong Kong Beat. We'll speak again next week.
0: So news emerged yesterday and was reported in the Racing Post this morning that the US giant DraftKings had put in a $20 billion bid for Entain, the parent company of Ladbrokes Coral. Uh, David Buick is a renowned market commentator and joins me now. Uh, David, a sign of the times for sure, but just how significant is this?
5: I think it's very significant, Nick, because it's really the change in culture and betting. I mean, it's not that long ago that... um, the Ten board rejected out of hand an 8.1 billion takeover from MGM Resorts. I mean, it was less than six months ago. So to come in with a bid of this magnitude just shows you what a price they think landing this will be for DraftKings. Um, basically, the reason I think the culture has changed is that the United Kingdom and to a much lesser extent Europe, as gambling fertile grounds, they're becoming a little bit saturated. And people now are resorting, of course, much more to online gambling than they are to over-the-counter gambling at betting shops. Now, I think the reason that DraftKings have showed their, how can I put it, their intent is that they've seen what's happened um, with Flutter, and, uh, you know, which includes Betfair and Paddy Power, with their uh, sorting into the United States, and more recently, of course, with Caesar Entertainment, paying a pretty substantial 3.5 billion pounds for the empire of William Hill X, the betting shops. And I think DraftKings possibly sees this for the time being, and what do I mean by the time being? For, say the next year or so, the last throw of the dice to get really involved, because the United States is where it is at now. You have got potentially a country that has 350 million people, of which probably somewhere around 80 to 100 million might be susceptible to having a flutter. That is a very grown-up number of people. And where before we were limited to what went on in Nevada and to a much lesser degree in New Jersey, the United States of America is, from a gambling perspective, really opening up. And that's where I think people see the future. Um, Technology is desperately important in that field because of the United States being such an enormous country you can't expect to have betting shops in, the, you know, next to the first bank in Boot Hill in Des Moines, because it's just not going to happen because the prodigious distances everybody has to drive is very different from here in the United Kingdom.
0: And so what does this mean for the retail empire of Ladbrokes Coral, do you think?
5: Well, <clears throat> I mean, Kenny Alexander probably has had this in his mind before he retired and handed over the reins, that, you know, that online was the way forward. And, you know, Entain has made an awful lot of money uh, by being in the right place at the right time. Um, but I suspect, as time goes by, uh, that the role, despite the fact that Labrook for a while had a very good relationship with Playtech, the Israeli technological giant, um, this has sort of faded into the background. And so without uh, Labrook's betting shops and Carl's betting shops, there isn't really a long-term role for within that unit because it's labor intensive as we all know, uh, betting shops, and this is not where they see their future. So as your listeners or readers will almost certainly know, that it was only two weeks ago that um, William Hill agreed to sell, or not William Hill, because William Hill had been bought by uh, Caesar Entertainment, that Caesar Entertainment had agreed to dispense with the 1,400 betting shops they've got, and have sold them to 888 Holdings. Now, I doubt 888 Holdings, though, I don't know, has a voracious enough appetite to hoover up Labrook and Coral betting shops as well. But it's possible that, you know, Fred Doan or somebody of that nature or maybe three, Bet365 could see part of that in, the, in their empire where they don't see they have ex- sufficient exposure. Uh, we know that Bet365's uh, head office is in, in Stoke-on-Trent and they've got pretty good coverage around the country. But you're not talking about two or three betting shops here. You're talking about several hundred, in fact, probably a couple of thousand. So it's possible that they could go in in bits and pieces to the other uh, betting shops, uh, houses that really want to be in that kind of business. But I don't see it as an expanding industry. And unless it dovetails and fits in to an existing operation and provides add-on value, I think we're seeing probably a diminution of the betting shop industry in this country.
0: David Buick there, market commentator, and my thanks to him, to Hugo Palmer, and at the beginning of the program, to Joe Chambers. Uh, David Yates is still with me. I mean, Dave, that's a, it's a very significant story, and, and one that is very much in keeping with what we've become used to in the last couple of years, a huge multinational um, gambling giant hoovering up, um, hoovering up another huge multinational gambling giant. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like
1: Russian dolls, isn't it? You get one and then it's um, consumed by another as you say it's 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 i must say from a punter's perspective i i I would hark back to the old days where the bookies weren't all in such few hands and that now you know obviously we have two massive groups in this country Entain and flutter um and it looks as though Entain's going to be or at least there's a there's a bid that's been tabled so yeah it's the way of the world as i say it's 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 not something that um that's as a as a punter i think is a particularly healthy thing but um i'm not exactly in a a strong position to stop it
0: right do you have a, a a bet today
1: i do let's see if we can take on the multinationals with number seven king vega in the 252 race at Goodwood this afternoon the listed foundation stakes this horse ran a close fifth behind McGallan in the sovereign stakes at Salisbury that of course a group three before a victory in a novice event over Goodwood's course and distance today market rival is migration but I'm going to take King Vega to come out on top for Sheen Murphy and Andrew Boarding. 252 race at Goodwood the listed foundation stakes selection number seven King Vega
0: david yates a draft king for the day let's hope he uh, entains you in time on a tradition again next week thanks so much for listening that was a wednesday september the 22nd see you tomorrow bye bye. you've been listening to nick luck daily brought to you in association with fitzdares the racehorse owners association and thoroughbred racing commentary